Okay, you were the first one to raise your hand, so this is what I want you to do. I just want you to sit just like that. You can stand there. I'll call you back up later. Amen. Amen. Philippians chapter 3, verse 1, and John, oh, sorry, Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Philippians chapter 3, verse 1, and John, I keep saying John, Mark chapter 8, verse 34, as we're traveling through the book of Mark. Paul speaks to the church of Philippi, which is, uh, I would say, one of his favorite churches because it was the church that supported his ministry the most. And he said these words to the church at Philippi, my beloved ones, passion version, my beloved ones, don't ever limit your joy or fail to rejoice in the wonderful experience of knowing our Lord Jesus. I don't mind repeating what I've already written you. I don't mind repeating what I have already written you because it protects you. I don't mind repeating what I told you because what I told you will protect you. Mark chapter 8, verse 34, Jesus said, if you truly want to follow me, you should at once completely disown your own life and you must be willing to share my cross and experience my cross as your own. I want to speak to you on the subject in the, in the phrase of a question. Could you repeat that? Could you repeat that? Could you repeat that? And many of us use that term. Could you repeat that, please? Could you, could you repeat that, please? How many of you love science fiction? Yeah, okay, just a few of us. I love science fiction. Sorry for the rest of you. I love science fiction. I went... While away last week, um, I went on a Netflix binge. Amen. Uh, that's right. I don't know why you put amen after a Netflix binge, but might be like the gala uh, doing a benediction after the wobble. But anyways. Uh, <laughs> One of the movies that I was watching, a, I was binging on this, this uh, sci-fi show, and there was one episode that reminded me of a movie that I really enjoyed, and it was called The Edge of Tomorrow with, uh, with, with Tom Cruise. And the, 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 basically, the 
the thought of the story is that Tom Cruise keeps repeating the same day over and over again. Um, and he only repeats it after he is killed. And so what he does is that he learns from the previous experience what killed him the first time, and he, av he avoids that. Then he goes a little bit further, and he gets killed. And then eventually what happens is that now he's able to see uh, plots to kill his life. He can actually repeat the lines of people who walk by him. Anybody ever see that movie? Oh, no, just, okay, good. So, and, but the whole purpose of this repeating, this gift of repeating, which is also a curse, is that he has been called to save the world. And so he has to learn through repeating so that he can ultimately, through the experience of repeating, save the world. Turn to somebody saying, you have been called to save the world. Now notice, I didn't say you're called to save the whole world, but you are called to save somebody's world. There are some people that only you will be able to reach, and that's why God created you. There are some people who will not come to Christ unless God uses you. And we don't want that experience, so we say humble things like, oh, God, you can use anybody. God says, no, I can, I, I, that's why I created you. I need you. I've heard at least from two people who are now pastors who said to me, uh, said to me I don't think I would have been able to come to Christ through any other ministry but yours. And that's not to, I'm, I'm it. It's a very sobering thought to know that God is saying, I am counting on you like I counted on Jesus. This word, uh, repeat, it, it comes from two Latin words, re, which means again, and peto, from which we get petere, rather, from which we get our English word petition, and it means to ask for. So repeat means to ask for it again, again, to head for again, to aim at again, to strive after again, to search for again. I found this definition definition interesting because it actually uh, speaks to my life. It actually means to chase a girl again. That's how I ended up with Lady Common. The first time I asked her to be my lady, she said no. <laughs> After I gathered myself up and wiped away my tears, I chased again. Sometimes you just got to chase again. Uh, this word repeat also means to run for office again. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, if you know his history, ran for office a number of times, and, and we're not talking about president, we're talking about just a representative and lost many times. And now he is considered, if not the greatest, one of the top greatest presidents we've ever had. Turn to somebody who says, sometimes you have to keep going for it again. Amen. Amen. A crown and an award to go goes to those who belong to again. Even when you've been defeated, even when you've been knocked down, even when someone has told you no, you keep going again. 
Now, there are three reasons why you uh, have to have something repeated. There are three reasons why you have something repeated. Number one, uh, you have something repeated because you want to get it right. You want to get it right. Many of us uh, uh, watch football, and we know that during football games, when there's a play that the umpire or the referee's not sure of is right, they go to the replay booth. And one of the greatest uh, uh, replays in history now in the game of football, one of them, is the catch that Julian Edelman made uh, in the Super Bowl, where, where people, uh, well, they're, they're like, he didn't catch that ball, and he got him to say, yes, I did, yes, I did. Look at the replay. And that was a game changer right there. That will go down as, in history as one of the main game changers, that catch, but it took replay to make sure that they got it right. You uh, repeat something because sometimes you simply want to enjoy the experience. How many of you, now not me because I, I'm, I'm, I, am, I am clear that I am, a, I am a coward. I am afraid of roller coasters. Okay, so um, I, I may go on a kiddie ride, kiddie roller coaster, but that, that's about it, okay? okay? But how many of y'all like roller coasters? Oh, wow. More of you like roller coasters than you do sci-fi. All right. And, and how many of you have ever, like, you went on a roller coaster and you, like, well, I can't, I, anyways, you got really nervous, scared the bejeebies out of you, and then after you got off, you went right back on. Okay? And, and so the reason why you did it is because you want to experience, you want that experience again. You want that rush again. That's why sometimes we return. I, I, I'm a creature of habit, uh, bad habits, bad habit, unfortunately. I could go to a restaurant and order the same thing every time. There's a, re there's a restaurant that I went to, and, uh, and I would go there once a week, and I would just sit down, and the waitress would come to me and just ba basically bring me my food. I am just a, a creature of habit. That, see, God knows who to give you for a wife, okay? And, and I say that because my wife understands that. She's not nagging. How'd you get something different? Make me sick. Are you going to keep ordering it over and over again? Oh my goodness. Get a different omelet. Why does I have to have sausage and Swiss cheese? I mean, get something different. But she's like, no, no, you can do what you want to do. Amen. I love you, honey. Well, No, she let me. She lets me bees myself. Okay. I so you repeat because you want to get it right. You repeat because you enjoy the experience, and you repeat number three because you want to get better at doing something. Dean Rackey, former uh, CFO for um, the Limited, he he said these words. He says, repetition is the art of learning. Repetition is the art of learning. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But you, you want to get better. As a matter of fact, what you really want to do, if you really did it right, the repeat, repetitive action, you want to get it in your memory muscle. You, you want to form your memory muscle. 
You want to form it. That's why the Bible says in Matthew chapter 12, no. Oh, goodness. I can't remember. Matthew, yeah, Matthew chapter 12, verse 34 and 35. uh, Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. And understanding that, he or through, no, the psalmist said, that's why the psalmist said, thy word have I hid in my heart so that when I come into an encounter, my memory muscle will go through to the word and not my circumstances. So when I'm, when I'm faced with something, the first instinct is the word. The reason why Kobe Bryant was so great, I was looking up some as basketball seasons now. They said that Kobe Bryant would 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 practice uh, daily shooting shooting shots, and he would not he would not leave the gym until he hit 400 shots. I'm not talking about that he took 500 shots a day and sat down and left. No, he would not leave the gym until he hit 400 shots and he counted each one of them. Greatness is not by accident. The, the only thing lucky, if I could say that word, lucky about greatness is your genes. <laughs> That is, my, my talent is God's gift to me, but I have to give that gift back to him better than what I received it as. Because I'm going to give an account. So the memory muscle that I'm trying to make sure that we get in this church is that we create and work at and repeat over and over again the actions of making sure that we develop in this church and in our lives a culture of blessing. A culture of blessing. And we said the word bless means to empower others for success. I want to empower others for success. And so if it means that I give money to kids in first service so that they love coming to church. I want to empower them for success. I want to empower them to put in their memory muscle, I love church because that's where I get money. (laughs) That it pays to be in the house of the Lord. And hopefully the collateral blessings will come that they will pick up something in this place where God dwells. If you're with me, say amen so far. So the word blessed means to empower for success. And success, I define success as doing what God created you to do. We're all going to have to stand before God and give an account for what we have done with this life. Oh, yes, we are. We're going to be held accountable. And you know, Elder Roy and I talk about this many times about the pea and spice. 
we're going to be held accountable for this body. Now, if I, if, if I unfortunately uh, get, get uh, attacked by a disease, I can't control that. I just have to do what I need to do. But on the other hand, if, I, if I'm not taking care of this body and, and God has ordained that I am to live 90 years, but because I didn't take care of this body, because I was eating too much sugar when I know I was diabetic and all sorts of other things, and I die at 70, I am going to have to give an account for the 20 years God has lost. Ooh, this is heavy. If I was supposed to be in shape and be able to do missions work, go to Honduras and go to Romania and Africa and Ethiopia and, and all these places where we may do missions, but I'm too tired, I'm too exhausted because I'm not keeping this body in shape, mm, it's quiet in here. I'm going to have to give an account. My mother, my parents took me out of public school and sent me to Catholic school. And I was angry at them. I was mad at them. My mother, knowing my anger, was so frustrated with me. She said, you know what? I'm going to tell you what, Brian. I'm making you go this first year to Matinon, but after that, you can do whatever you want to do. And after I went the, the first uh, uh, quarter, and noticed my grades started going up because I had a healthy respect for money and that my parents were paying for it. And I look back on it and that was probably maybe the third or fourth best decision in, in my life. But if I had left Matinon and went to you know, whatever other school and, and then end up not doing what God has called me to do, I'm going to have to give an account. God said, I opened the door for you to get in that Catholic school. In fact, you were, you were expecting to, to flunk the entry exam. You were even shocked that you got in there, but I got you in there. Okay? And, 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 and because of that, you know, it, it, it sent me on a totally different trajectory. And you as children and teenagers, you're going to be faced with... It. I, I look at every life, and every life comes down to two or three crucial decisions what, between what you did and what you didn't do. Who you hang out with and who you didn't hang out with. I was wondering why as a teenager God kept removing friends out of my life. And I was angry, I was mad. And, and as, a, as an African American growing up in Somerville where, where there weren't too many black people. And it was during the season of busing and, and all that stuff that you see uh, that's history now. Where the, the, the white gentleman took the American flag and went to stab that black man in government center. Yeah, I lived it. And then my parents tell me, I don't want you hanging out with these guys anymore. And I'm like, well, you're going to make me now hang out with these white guys? This isn't fair. Then call me Uncle Tom. All that stuff. But then realize that the Lord was saying, I need to get you out of that group of guys or you're going to be heading the wrong direction. That's a word for somebody. You need to get rid of some of your friends. Because you're going to have to give an account with what you did with your life. As somebody said, I think it was Brother DeMond, show me your five closest friends and I'll show you where your destiny is going to be. Because birds of a feather flock together. 
You cannot fly like an eagle if you're hanging out with turkey. Turn to somebody and say, you need to write that down. <laughs> Come on, folks. It's always been that way as kids. The jocks hang out with the jocks. The athletes hang out with the athletes. The fly girls hang out with the fly girls. Okay? The geeks hang out with the geeks. It, it, nothing has changed. Mm. So we're creating a culture of blessing. And so we're going through, through the book that was written by John Mark. John Mark, the name John Mark can be translated, John meaning uh, uh, God is gracious, Mark means warrior, Mark comes from the Latin word Mars, okay, the God of, the God of war, and so John Mark means, means uh, God's gracious warrior, God's gracious warrior. Why was, his, why was he a warrior? Because sometimes you have to fight for your life. I'm not talking about fight to live physically. I'm talking about fight for the life that God has called you to. Fight for your ministry. Fight for your purpose. Fight for your dream. Fight for who God has created you to be. It's going to be a fight. It's not going to drop in your lap. You've got to fight for it. You've got to fight through disappointment. Fight through failure. Fight through doubt. Fight through fear. You've got to fight for it. We're going to fight for it. And so we are fighting to be a, a church as a culture of blessing. And that's why at the, uh, today concludes this, uh, we're trying, we're, we're, we are our purpose saying to raise $10,000, uh, you know, five to Puerto Rico and five for the Virgin Islands. Because unfortunately, uh, you know, people have a, a short attention span. No one even hears about, unless you have people in the Virgin Islands or people in Puerto Rico, uh, no one's even thinking about hurricanes anymore. But people are still without electricity. People are still without power. People's lives are still messed up. And we want to make sure that at least the Bible says in, in Matthew 6, 20, where your treasure is, that is your heart is. And so as we give to these people, these people who are struggling. Yes, it may not be a much, but at least it's something. So what do we want to repeat? And I want to, uh, I'm probably going to divide this into part one and part two uh, because of what the Lord laid on my heart. And, and this is going to be really, well, let me just keep going. And what I want to repeat they say that uh, as a leader or visionary or, or a business person or whoever you are, if you're a leader, they say that you really need to repeat your mission and vision to your followers uh, once every 26 days. So, so the mistake that pastors make many times is they announce Vision Sunday and you never hear about it again. So that's why uh, at the beginning of, of September, when we entered into this fall season, we spoke the message www.ptspice.org because we talk about PT's mission is to restore lives broken by the power of sin to the very place where these same broken lives bring honor and glory to God. That's our mission. And, and see... I don't care 
we as, we as believers are too spiritual. We're too spiritual. What do I mean by that? Everything we do in life has a score. And we don't, and scores keep you accountable. I like what Ed Stetzer said. If you ever get a chance to read up his material, fascinating, uh, brilliant mind. He says, he says, facts don't have feelings. They just, they're just facts. When, when I step on a scale, the scale doesn't say, well, you know, I understand that you had a tough day, you ate an extra donut, so we're, what we're going to do is change the numbers. <laughs> the number's the number. <laughs> now, you may want to make it another number. You may adjust the scale. Mm. Ooh, I'm, I, no, you know what you did with this. Trust those old-time scales where you could adjust it. Let it start off at negative 10. Turn your name and say, he's talking about you right now. <laughs> so how are we measure? We measure by how many lives are being restored by the power of God. We were talking to a younger adult uh, yesterday. They were at our house, and because they hang out with a certain group of people, we, my wife and I were saying, it's amazing in two years how that individual has changed or how individuals in that group changed. And we started this talking about the change. And this person, they said, well, I knew that person before they came to PT. And they, that person has the most dramatic change. For me, that's like, that's a score for Jesus, number one. And number two, that means we're fulfilling our mission. Seeing lives restored. Well, what's a restored life? We said a restored life is a spice life. In other words, our mission is a restored life. What does that look like? A restored life is a life that's grown spiritually, physically, intellectually, characteristically, economically. So when I hear, uh, for example, uh, uh, last Sunday, and I'm not mean to, I don't mean to pump him up, but seeing that it was last Sunday, you know, Keegan made this beautiful cake for the church. Amen. And and then and then you know shared with me how shared with me how he's going going into business for himself and has his own website. That see that's economic growth. That's spice life. And I'm like, "Yes, God. That's what we do when when people are getting themselves in shape and wearing Fitbits and do, and and now they and and now uh, thinking consciously about making sure that I'm in shape so that I can live the type of quality life that Jesus needs me to live so that I can pray, play with my children and, 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 and not be on the basketball court with my son and go, hee, 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 at the age of 40, help Jesus. But still be able to do your son like, oh, yeah, come on, get on the court, boy. My, 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 my point is, is that that's what a restored life looks like. It's a spice life. And then we talked about the fact that PT has uh, seven values or seven Ps. Are you with me? Seven Ps. And these seven Ps are, it, it, it's the culture of PT. We have a culture of precepts or preaching the word. In Psalm 119, uh, in the King James Version, the word precept is used over 20 times. It speaks of the word. This is a word church. We believe, my, my daughter was filling out a, uh, a survey, 
And she said to dad, she said to me, Dad, uh, 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 they asked me a question. Would you consider yourself conservative, not so conservative, or liberal? Dad, what does that mean? And I said, Well, what they're really asking you is, is uh, as a conservative, sad to say, what they're really asking you is, do you believe the Bible to be the Bible? And she started cracking up. And I was, do you really believe that what God says, he really says? Do you really mean that thou shalt not steal means thou shalt not steal as opposed to, well, there's some circumstances that contextually you may find yourself in situations where you're starving and, uh, and you know. Mm. So we believe. The word of God. We believe the Bible is the Bible. We believe in the preached word. We believe in praise. If you don't like praise, and, and I'm talking about expressive praise, exuberant praise, loud praise. David said, let the high praises, not, not hallelujah. No, high praises mean turn it up. Let the high praises of God be in their mouths. So if you want a quiet place you know, Celtic monks and that kind of stuff, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes you need a little quiet. Sometimes many of us are too loud. Are we, are we, sometimes, no, you need to sit yourself down and meditate on what God is doing. One of the best experiences I had was when I ministered in the Asian church. And after I ministered in, the Asian, in this Asian church, uh, I, I, it came out pretty good, and I expected to say, hallelujah, praise God. They sat there. The, the, the pastor came and said, okay, now let's sit down and spend five minutes just meditating on what God said. I said, meditate? I preach. You need to shout and say amen. And I realized, yeah, I think we need to ponder. I, need to, I think we need to say la. Because too many of us come out and say, man, oh, we had a good, oh my God, Mother Cummings, we shouted. We had a good time. Well, what did God say? I don't know what he said, but I felt good. <laughs> Can I get a witness? And then what happened? The devil slaps you upside your head because the only thing he respects is the word of God. And you're like, the devil slapping you like, two minutes. <laughs> and the devil's like, yeah, two minutes. <laughs> he only respects the word. Read Matthew chapter 4. He only respects the word. Ooh, this is good teaching. Another value is prayer. This is a house of prayer. When I was born, I founded a house of prayer. When I'm gone, it's still going to be a house of prayer. Out of all the words that Jesus used to describe his house, Isaiah 56 verse 7, Matthew 21 verse 13, he described it not as a house of worship, not as, not as a house of the word of God, though that's important, he just he described his house as a house of prayer. So my goal is not to simply have this as a house of prayer. I want my own house where I live, a house of prayer. My daughter Vanessa moved out. I was like, hallelujah. Because you say, why do you say that? Because I got my prayer room back. Oh, yes. I've got my prayer room back. You know how it is when you have little kids and they all get to stay in the same room. And then they get grown up and now they want their own rooms and... So now I'm saying, thank you, Jesus. Now the anointing will come back again in a stronger way because I got my own prayer room. And I'm not saying everybody has to have a prayer room, but even if you live, look, you need to have a prayer spot. When we were kids, 
and I feel bad now when I think about it, but I, because me and my brother were just so rambunctious, my mother's prayer room really was the bathroom. She'd just go in the bathroom and just sit and pray. And, and, and I was like, wow, that's, man, we, we, we pushed her to the bathroom to pray. That's, that's shame. Shame on us. But now she has a prayer room. How many have a prayer seat? A prayer chair? Now, you just a chair, you just like, this is my chair. I meet God in my chair. Make sure it's not like a lazy boy chair. You're like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Well, the word of God says his sleep will be sweet. No, that, that's not. Ah. <laughs> uh, let me keep moving quickly. Uh, partnership. We believe in doing life in circles. It's nice to have communion, but communion, out of that communion, should grow community. I am my brother's keeper. You know, a bunch of us, a few of us pray, and, and, and uh, on a Friday night, a few of us guys and and Todd's one of my guys, and we pray together, and we share together. And when he can't make it, he texts us, hey, 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 brothers, I can't, I can't make it. We're like, fine. Or when there's challenges, we're praying for you. We, 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 we're brothers. We're band of brothers. We stick together. We're doing life together. There's no solo acts. Amen. That's why we're... Now, as we're developing and building pastoral care, we want to make sure that you are cared for. We're, we're doing life together. We're doing life together. We believe in being a presence in the community. Being a presence in the community, doing good works, doing God works. We want to make sure that Cambridge feels the presence of Pentecostal Tabernacle. And not simply the presence of the tabernacle, presence, the presence of Pentecostal tabernacle, but the hand of God moving through Pentecostal tabernacle to touch lives. That's why, to me, one of the greatest days in the history of this church, it'll go down as, a, as one of the greatest days in the history of this church, was last Saturday when 150 to 160 people went to nine different places, uh, the, the, um, the, 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 the uh, Pine Street Inn. Is that what we call it? Okay, Pine Street Inn and, and the Salvation Army and the YWCA and did works of God. Let me read you a letter that we received from the executive director of the YWCA. This quick email is to, hi all, this quick email is to say thank you so much for including the YWCA on your list of service projects last Saturday. It was a pleasure to have you here to work with you, to work with your volunteers. What a fun group. Okay, that, the backyard looks great. Many of our residents also have commented on how nice the area looks. A formal thank you letter is forthcoming, but I wanted to let you know now how grateful we are for your help. Please keep us in mind for future days of service. <laughs> if God should ever leave us, if God should ever lead us to leave 
Cambridge, I, I want the city to beg us not to leave. The day you leave your job, people should be weeping. They, should, they shouldn't be throwing a party saying, guess who's leaving? <laughs> mm. We believe in professionalism. How many believe that Jesus doesn't lie? What haunts me now as I'm heading towards 60s and that I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm heading into, uh, I guess, pretty much uh, kind of the last quarter of my life. And I know it sounds, you know, why you sound so depressed? Why you don't? I don't know. I'm just thinking reality. The words that chase me at this stage in my life is Matthew chapter 25, verse 21, where I have to stand before God and I want to hear him say, well done. And he's not going to say, well done, if I didn't do anything. There are no points for sitting in a pew. Well, I was faithful sitting in the pew. This is called a bench. If you watch any sport... <laughs> If you watch any sport, anybody who's on this ain't in the game. We sit here, but then we get out there and play the game. And it's not a game because there are high consequences. I am, I am chased by this word, well done, because I want to hear him say, well done. I want to hear him say, this is what I called you to do. And, and so this is me. I tell, I tell you, I, I just look at the word this way. Why it was so important to me that when, by God's grace, uh, Mother Cummings' generation, my mom, my dad, et cetera, they, they passed on to this church and me as a leader, they passed on two properties. Are you with me? They passed on P.T. North and the parking lot. Are you with me? And so my mind, this is the way my mind thinks, that, that, that the, the good servant was given two pieces, two talents, and he went back to the Lord and said, hey, you gave me two, I'm giving you four. Another servant, you gave me five, I'm giving you ten. The servant who took what he had and just didn't multiply it and said, hey, I didn't lose it. He called them wicked and unprofitable. And so when God blessed us with two extra properties, at least my spirit was like, okay, God, they blessed me. As Pastor Del Turco said, they gave me an inheritance of two. By your grace, I'm giving you back four. When you stand before God with all the gifts and talents that he, and the schools that you got into and the mentors that he brought into your life and, and how he snatched your life out of hell, what are you going to say to him? What are you going to say to him? What are you going to say to him? I want to make sure you're able to say, well done. Colossians chapter 3 verse 23 says, about being professional. Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. I remember when I was working as a budget analyst and, and I, I was supposed to get a promotion, but they gave it to somebody else. 
And then they, then they had the nerve to tell me to train the person for the job that should have gone to me. And the Lord said, do it unto me. Do it as unto me. You're not working for Cambridge Hospital. You're working for me. Ooh, it's quiet in this place. Because you keep holding people accountable for where you're supposed to be. And the Bible says in Psalms 31, verse 14 and 15, my times are in your hand. When it's time for me to be promoted, nobody can stop it. My times are in God's hand. And if I don't have it yet, it's because it's not time. Mm. I tell you, honey, I'm preaching a good word right now. And then we talked about, and I want to end with this, we talked about um, obviously operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a Holy Ghost church. We believe in the Spirit of God. We believe that the Spirit of the Lord guides us into all truth. We, delete, we believe that unless God touches what we do, all we're doing is, all we, all we are is nice people if God doesn't touch what we're doing. If God doesn't touch this, this word that I'm given, then all it is is a nice lecture, a nice talk. And he talked about being cursed. And this is the heavy-duty one, help the Holy Spirit. We said that the word curse, <clears throat> the Bible, and this is the last one I'm gonna point I'm going to make, because I really feel I need to pray for us as believers as we're ending this year. We said that the word, the, the, the Bible in, Mark, in, Ma, in Malachi chapter 4, verse 6, the last word in the Bible is cursed. And he says, I need to return the house of the father to the son. I need to send my messenger or else there's going to be a curse. And we said, <clears throat> if I can borrow you, sir, now. And we said that the word curse <clears throat> means net. It means net. And in the game of basketball, in the game of basketball, when the ball goes through the rim, are you following me? That is a score. And you may say, so why do they put a net? Why do they put a net on the basketball rim? Because the net proves that there was a score. The rim is the score. The net proves that there's a score. And what the devil does, we are, we are born with nets. And, and as humorous as this looks, our minds are trapped by the enemy. And he is constantly controlling the scores of our life. Are you with me? This is the curse that we're dealing with, that he controls, he has our minds in bondage. And so the Apostle Paul says that the only way you can be transformed is by the renewing of your mind. And once, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and once your, once your mind is transformed, then you can prove that God's will is good, acceptable, and perfect. But until then, 
Your mind is trapped. Are you following me so far? Everybody with me? This is going to get heavy, and then we'll pray. Uh, stay there. Don't, don't go anywhere. You volunteer. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> the scripture we read was very powerful. Talk about the song about uh, uh, breaking down strongholds. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5 says, Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle defenses behind which people hide. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God. We break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. Are you with me? We capture like prisoners of war faulty patterns of thought that defy God's authority and assist that, and we assist that they bow down in obedience to the anointing. Oh my. And, and so the, 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 the secret of destroying this net is the word of God. The Bible says that the word of God, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And so you need the word of God to begin to break the net. Are you with me? Are you with me? Because until this is broken, you will be in bondage because Hebrew, sorry, Romans chapter, Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 says, God, your heart with all diligence because out of your heart flows the issues of your life. Proverbs 7 verse 23, the King James Version says, as a man thinks in his heart, that's who he is. That's why you need the word in your heart so that it can destroy this net so that your mind will be freed. And see, the only time you get to snip nets, are you with me? The only time you get, any, anybody understand what I'm talking about sports? The only time you get to snip nets is when you have victory. And everybody keeps a piece of the net to remind them that they have victory. Hallelujah. I tell you, that was worth it. There you go. Woo. Now, this is heavy. This is, this is heavy. This is heavy. This is heavy. One of, the, one of the nets that the enemy tries to put on us, especially at, how old are you, sir? How old are you? No, how old are you? Seven. Okay, seven. They're twins, so I can't tell which one's apart. Seven years old. One of the nets that the enemy tries to put over our children's minds, this is heavy now, is the net of pornography. Look at the word pornography, and it's a frightening word. It is a Greek word, pornography. This word, graphy, means to draw, to picture, or to copy. Graphy. To, to draw, 
the picture or the copy. Porno is a Greek word that means prostitute or fornication. Fornication, children, is just a fancy word for sex outside of marriage. Now, now my wife is saying, you want to say stuff in front of the kids? Let me tell you something. Our kids are exposed. The devil, the devil doesn't fight fair. And men, you remember at the men's retreat, the devil doesn't fight fair. One of the most powerful sermons we heard. The devil doesn't fight fair. He waits, he, he, he waits till you're vulnerable as a child. And he draws a graphic picture of illicit sexual activity. And now you try to shake it. You come to Jesus and you're repenting like five times a day because your mind is trapped by the net. Am I, am I preaching a good word right now? Some of you, you're, you're trapped by fear. Fear instead of faith. And so, instead of looking at this as half full, you're always looking at it as half empty. See, the person of faith says, wow, if God can give me half, there's more where that came from. But the person of fear, and like my cousin Earl Donaldson said this, he taught me this acronym in my book, it says, fear is false evidence appearing real. I can't tithe because I don't know how much I'm going to have left. But faith says, if he can give me this much, that means there's more where that came from. So I want to close with this. I want to close with this about, about our minds and being trapped. Can I be for real? I was doing my Netflix binge, and I, I told my wife this, so, you know, she's, this ain't, ain't a surprise to her. And we, you know, doing Netflix binge, and all of a sudden I saw this show, and I said, oh, let me check this out. And it started out with a minister, he had a collar on, I'm like, oh, okay, this is interesting. And he is, he's walking and gets out the car, the door opens, walks in and my wife is sleeping he walks in and the next thing i see is he's in this orgy i mean there are naked bodies all over the place and i immediately shut it off and i said oh my god and what i what i sensed the devil was doing it says let me let me, let me take a copy of what you saw and put it in your mind. Can I be honest with you? And I, and I found myself saying, oh, let me, let, see, re, let, me, let me see where this goes. Like I don't know where it's going. 
And, and I, 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 I just had to put my, my tablet away because I knew the enemy was trying to wrap something around my neck. And now he's just drawing me wherever he wants to take me. I want to pray. Maybe that's not your problem. But maybe your problem is that you're constantly looking at life as the glass half, half full. Someone says, I'm going to go to school. Well, you know, I don't know if you should go back to school because, you know, you know how old you are and, you know, you just better keep what. And, and, and we, we sow seeds of doubt into people's dreams. Yeah. Maybe your bondage is the fact that my mind, I'm, I'm just losing my mind. I want to have the mind of Christ, but every time. I want every head to bow and every eye to close. And I know this was a long message. But I really believe that, that we're, we're entering into a season that if we're going to be a blessing, if we're going to finish out this year of promise, we have got to get our minds renewed. My marriage changed. There were times when we were struggling, but my marriage changed when my, when my thinking about Carmen changed. My being in this church changed when my thinking started changing about, yeah, everybody's saying it's going to die, it's going nowhere, but I had to have the mind of Christ. Jesus, Father, what do you say about PT? Father, what do you say about Brian? Father, what do you say about common? Father, what do you say about my brother, my sister? As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, and thank you for your patience. I, I want to pray for you. And because I mentioned various things about the mind, yeah, maybe for some it is pornography. Maybe for some it's doubt and fear and unbelief. Maybe some it's always seeing the glass half empty instead of half full. Whatever it is, you know I, I need to have the mind of Christ. I need to have the mind of Christ. And you're saying, Bishop, could you include me in this prayer? Because I want to I want to rededicate my mind to the Lord. I want, I want to rededicate my mind, my thinking to the Lord. Paul said to his one of his favorite church in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, whatsoever things are lovely and pure. He said, be true report. Think on these things. If this is spoken to you, I'm going to ask that you would please just stand right where you are and say, and you're saying, God, I just want to be included in this prayer because I, I need to outrun my, my thinking. I need, I need that transfer, transformation. I, I, I need to... I need to be renewed in my faith.